Today is Monday, January 23rd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. More documents found at Biden's home. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, give, give a rating, share it with a friend, all the good stuff. You know what to do. Let's get through the news of the cray together. That's what we do here. It's a crazy world out there. Why go at it alone? With us today, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gones Phillips. On this Monday, what's going on, fellas? Back from the March for Life. How's it going? Yes, back and caffeinating to recover. Yes, it's, it's a very good event. Crazy, yeah, exhausting it was awesome. in, a, in a good way, though. Yeah, I usually only drink one cup of coffee, but I think it's going to take many, many more to recover. Yeah, uh, what a lie, Trey! And, what a lie, Trey! And I were at Starbucks about seventeen times during that. <laughs> no, trip. no, no, I can't. But usually, I only have one a day. Uh huh. I only had one each day. <laughs> okay. Well, a very, very sugary one each day. <laughs> we'll have our investigation into Trey's uh, <laughs> right. caffeine intake a little bit later. But we have I mean, we have more important things to get, get to today, Billy, like uh, Nancy Pelosi and a, something with an exorcism. <laughs> I mean, Not there, kidding. There are, some, there are some words you just want to come together in some way for SEO purposes and for, yeah. you know, just intrigue. But yeah. yes, um, Nancy Pelosi apparently... Um, engaged in exorcism and it's kind of a sad story but but it's an interesting one interesting indeed and uh, on the main thing we are going to be taking a look at a new study that shows the negative impact of covid on church attendance and faith in general uh, in america but first we're gonna get through the news here in 90 seconds in a deadly shooting in california as police are still looking for a motive after 10 people were killed and 10 others injured during a shooting inside a ballroom dance studio. This was late Saturday night. On the eve of uh, the Asian community's Lunar New Year celebration, the suspect, identified as 72-year-old Hu Can Tran, was located in the nearby city of Torrance, where he died after shooting himself as police were approaching his vehicle. Tran had showed up at a second dance studio location, but... Uh, the people there, who are now being called heroes, disconfronted and disarmed him at that location, and then he fled. White House lawyers reportedly requested the FBI search that uncovered a fourth batch of misplaced classified documents inside President Joe Biden's private residence. This was on Friday. The Biden administration was careful to label this search consensual, though it's not fully clear if that's the case. The latest documents found at Biden's home are reportedly from his time in the Senate. The other documents found in his garage were reportedly from his time as VP. And an ex-abortion worker shares how God saved her out of deep darkness, her powerful testimony, and more of today's top headlines can be found over at CBNNews.com. And fellas, um, it's just uh, this story here over at CBN, this testimony of someone in, in the abortion industry. I mean, we saw just an incredible scene. It makes me think of uh, Friday in the March and just how many people still turned out, even in the wake of Roe, as we were saying throughout the broadcast, um, an incredible turnout. Yeah, no, a really amazing turnout. They were expecting 50,000 people. I don't know what the official numbers are, but it felt bigger than that. I mean, there were just people... Absolutely everywhere. And it's nice to see a peaceful 
quote unquote protest, right? I mean, at this point, it was more of a celebration because yeah. of Roe, um, but also looking ahead to what to what's to come. But people were just jovial, excited, happy to be there, happy to voicing their support for the unborn. Yeah, that's what's always hit me about the march, whether I've been watching it or being there the last two years, is even when it was more of a protest, like you're saying, Billy, last year where Roe obviously had not been overturned, it was still a really happy place to be. Uh, it's just such a, a, a happy march, which is an interesting contrast between the Women's March that actually just happened yesterday uh, in D.C. So uh, also, did you think it, it seemed to me, Billy, like there was more security this year than there was last year. Did you feel that? I did. Yeah, they were they were doing this thing where they blocked off the sides in a lot yeah. of places. And so Trey and I would find ourselves and the crew sort of stuck in the middle of it. You couldn't before you could kind of walk out and come back in. Uh, they were really trying to keep people in and I think probably keep people out. Where yeah. we allegedly were not supposed to be a couple of times, but it was fine. Yeah, no, yeah, and, and, hey, we, we made it. Yeah, yeah, no, we did. We got through. I mean, it, it's funny for all the all those of you who watched the broadcast and hung out with us and um, and you can still see it. It's up on the YouTube channel now. If you if you missed the march and want to and want to check some of it out, but uh, we had a delay that we were working with just because of the way the cameras have to be for that setup, and so that was kind of funny. You guys would just be suddenly gone from the camera, and, and then we'd ask a question, and then we'd have to wait seven seconds for uh, the response. <laughs> so that was a that was a fun challenge there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I kind of expected more protesters to be there. I mean, that was sort of the. I mean, we're seeing what's going on in Atlanta now, and you have some of these far left protesters and um, that's sort of some of the violence that we were seeing um, against pro-life clinics. And so you kind of thought, uh Oh, hopefully, and, and praise God, none of that happened. Uh, the March was protected, but you know, you, you see the, the violence that some of these groups are capable of. And, you know, it certainly was a concern. Yeah. And, and I think it exposes sort of when you're dealing with evil and you're trying to expose something that is evil, when you have a response like that, it really is. It just makes you think spiritually what is going on. Obviously, there are legal ramifications for that, although, you know, it took the FBI quite a while to, to yeah. it seems now we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but to, to really step up on this issue. So I'm hoping they find some of these people who have been responsible for these attacks. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And uh, and I met, the story I mentioned, by the way, in Atlanta, the violence that was happening there. We'll we'll probably cover that here in the next day or two. But it essentially there was a big police compound that they were going to build uh, in in a wooded area on a fairly fairly large plot. It was going to be a training facility, and people were protesting that these antifa type groups were protesting that, and they threatened violence. And then they came out and started burning the city down, burning police cars. An unfortunately common scene that we've seen play out a few times um, in recent history where you have cities just burning and stores being looted and just a terrible scene. So we'll definitely be getting into that uh, this week. Um, but right now we're going to go into our focus story for the day and Nancy Pelosi and exorcisms. What's uh, what's going on here, Billy? This is kind of a bizarre story, and this is why it's important to pay attention to details, because it's a quote in an interview that her daughter did with uh, the New York Times. But basically what happened here is that her daughter, Alexandra, again, spoke with the New York Times. And we all remember that horrific attack on Paul Pelosi, who was assaulted with a hammer last October inside the Pelosi San Francisco home. Now, that has been obviously a difficult situation for the family as he's been recovering from that. He had very serious injuries. 
injuries. He's an 82, 82 year old man. I mean, who was, who was beaten, um, but he has been recovering. Uh, but Alexandra, their daughter was speaking to the outlet and talked about how the event really weighed heavily on her mother's soul. She talked about how Nancy Pelosi felt guilty because remember the um, alleged perpetrator of this was apparently trying to get to her. He was hoping to break in and um, right. hold her accountable and break her kneecaps. I mean, all the, it's just such a crazy story, but she apparently felt very guilty, Nancy Pelosi. And Alexandra said, I think that really broke her. And then she said, and here's what's sparking all the headlines. Over Thanksgiving, she had priests coming, trying to have an exorcism of the house and having prayer services. And so that that obviously has sparked a lot of attention because we all know what an exorcism is, right? Yeah. So really interesting. Indeed. And how are uh, what kind of reaction has this gotten? Have, have people picked up on that quote in the article? Uh, well, yes. And you, as you can imagine, some of the responses are not very, very charitable. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza said some, some things on Twitter that again, not, you know, you laugh, but it's not, it's not funny. People basically calling her evil and saying, I'm surprised she didn't disappear after the exorcism, you know, all sorts of different, different negative responses directed at her. Others though, are saying things like, look, you know, that clearly something happened and she's looking for, she was looking for peace. If this is true that she was holding these exorcisms. Yeah. Well, and of course we should note that there are a lot of people who are not entirely convinced of this whole episode, uh, that it wasn't mm-hmm. staged. I mean, I'm not, you know, not saying that I'm not advocating that view one way or another, but that is certainly a, a widespread view that's out there on this just because of the unanswered questions. And there was a reporter who started asking questions about the, the uh, statements that were made and how they didn't line up. And then he suddenly uh, was, is kind of not on the air anymore is a bizarre situation. So you have that whole angle of things going on already brewing. And so then you see this and that just adds to it. But what are, did any faith leaders weigh in on this? Well, yeah, it was interesting. The New York Post reached out to Father Vincent Lambert. He is a Catholic exorcist out in Indianapolis, and they were asking him about this sort of thing. You know, would somebody call somebody in to their home, right? Because when we think of exorcisms, we we think of the dramatic things we see in Hollywood, but there are different types of exorcisms. Um, and he actually said he gets thousands of requests like this every year, um, helping people inside their home. It's not uncommon at all. He said, quote, it would be a, the recitation of a particular prayer in inviting the presence of God back into the house, casting out any presence of evil that may be there. He said that this is something you might do after a violent event um, happened inside of a home. They would bless the house with holy water. Um, and he said, reminding us of our new life in Christ and that we don't need to fear evil. So again, there's obviously theological differences over how something like right, that should right. be handled. Um, but that's how he said he would handle it and that he does get a lot of those requests. Interesting. And well, I mean, look, you, you've covered this kind of stuff uh, a lot uh, in, in the past. And it's interesting to me that this it's so prevalent. You're saying that he gets thousands of requests. And it's it's fascinating to me that this is something that um, so many people do and request. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, too, you know, we tend to think of exorcisms as being done on people. There's a real debate over whether a place can have evil in it, right? And so... 
Um, and you could talk to different pastors about this and they'll tell you, you know, you walk into a house and you say, get out, you're not welcome here in the name of Jesus. And that's all you need to do. Right. So there's a lot of different opinions on it. I think the biggest intrigue here, there's a lot of debate about Pelosi's faith and whether or not she's an authentic Catholic. She talks about it all the time, but yet has the abortion view she has. And by the way, I should tell you her local parish has denied reportedly that they had anything to do with this. Mm. Uh, But remember that that San Francisco has banned her from getting communion. So it's possible she went outside of the local parish to get help, right, yeah. since she's had that tension with them. Yeah, very interesting indeed. And um, it's it's another interesting angle that there's so many who question, especially it's because of the life issue again. I mean, you know, bringing it back to that, we saw President Biden tweeting this weekend about um, Roe and saying how it's just so sad that it was gone and, that they had to do everything they could to fight for women's health rights. And you have people like Ali Stuckey, who's prominent Christian, saying, I-, I just don't see how any Christian can can vote for this. Um, and and so it's 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 certainly a contentious issue when it comes to the faith and particularly the Catholic faith of some of these leaders when they have these viewpoints, political viewpoints that seem to be directly uh, at odds with the Christian faith. So, all right, Billy, we'll appreciate you bringing that one. That's going to uh, lead us into our main thing here today. And we're going to take a look at just a something I think a lot of people know, or at least kind of internally felt that COVID had a massive negative impact on church attendance. And a lot of that had to do with how the churches were responding to it. Um, but what has that done? I mean, it's been a couple years now. What has that done to attendance now and to faith in general here in America. Well, Madison Seals has the details on that for today's main thing. It may be hard to believe, but we're approaching three years since the start of the pandemic. And while we've learned how to live with the virus and even combat it, we're still learning about the side effects. Anything from hair and memory loss to compromised immune systems to the less obvious side effects like a loss in crucial development years of schooling for elementary children. And then there's an even less obvious side effect. The American Enterprise Institute's project called Survey on American Life did a study about how COVID-19 changed American religion. And it shows an overall decline in religious disciplines like going to church. Here to discuss what this means for faith in America is Ed Vitagliano, Executive Vice President of American Family Association. Ed, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, Madison, it's it's my honor. In the summer of 2020, only 13% of Americans reported actually attending in-person worship services, which only increased to 27% by the spring of 2022 and is still lower than pre-pandemic numbers. Roughly one in three Americans now say they've stopped attending religious services at all. Is this just people being more comfortable watching from home, or does this point to something deeper? Uh, That's a great question. I I think it it points to a couple of things. First of all, I think we all understand human nature. Let me just put it this way. I understand my nature. My nature tends towards uh, laziness. Human beings, if they are given the opportunity to do things the easy way, tend to do that if there's not a counterbalancing passion that drives them to go outside their comfort zone. So if a person really loves to be around other Christians and really loves to worship God in community and loves to hear the word of God with a group and likes to pray with other people, that passion is, I think, going to drive them back to church. And 
This survey does show that for those who seem to have been what the survey calls religious, but I think dedicated to attending church before the pandemic, they are more, more likely to have reached those prior levels. So I think there is that tendency within us that even Christians who've been Christians their whole lives, if you're not careful, it can be easy to opt for the sweatpants and the cocoa in the recliner rather than going out and getting back into the discipline of going to church. But I would also say that pandemic was uh, like what the Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews. It was a shaking. And sometimes that kind of shaking can bring out the best and the worst in uh, a country or a culture. And I think it revealed the weakness of American Christianity. And it's certainly something to be concerned about, but to pray about. Right. And you mentioned the word discipline, which is an important word for Christians to pay attention to because God often tells us to do things we don't naturally feel inclined to do because of our sinful nature. And those things require discipline. So I think for many, it could be a misunderstanding about what God through scripture calls us to as believers. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then Matthew 18, 20, I think a lot of people are familiar with this verse, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Are these verses pointing us to living as the body of Christ? And should they kind of build in us this passion to gather as a church? Well, Madison, those are two great passages, and I think, especially the one in the, in the book of Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews in chapter 3, for example, everything in the book of Hebrews is talking about the Christian life lived in community, that we are to, for example, exhort one another not to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And the, the passage you read, it is all about iron sharpens iron, encouraging one another, exhorting one another, loving one another, bearing one another's burdens. The Christian life is to be lived in community. Now, I, I, I'm sure it's true that if a person were stranded alone on a deserted island and they knew the Lord, they would be able to worship God in that setting. But it's clear from the Old Testament, where you had a nation of people who were called out of bondage together, they were called into freedom and into liberty before God. They were to live their lives communally into the New Testament. What you see is that the Christian life as designed by God is to be lived with other people. And perfect uh, passages that, that you chose to, to indicate that. I was really kind of disturbed by this uh, survey center on American life from the American Enterprise Institute, where it talked about 40% of J, uh, Gen Z adults attend church primarily online. I understand maybe what some of those young people are going for, but I think in the end, they're going to be disappointed because God's grace, I think, is especially poured out when you're in a group. Right. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that God calls us to community because he knows that we need it. He knows what would happen when we're deprived of it. And one example of this is from a totally unrelated study that was also done recently. And it shows that states that experienced larger declines in religious participation, specifically gathering in a church setting or a religious group in the last 15 years saw larger increases in deaths of despair. What can we do to help believers and non-believers, those going in person, those watching online, understand why we need to put our hope in Christ? I did see that study, and that was not shocking, mm -hmm. like you said, 
but it was heartbreaking yeah. because there, I mean, our, our nation is filled with lonely people. And many of those lonely people are living in big crowded cities. And what a tremendous opportunity for the church to become a home for these people who seem lost in the middle of crowds. And being online where people are constantly in touch with other people, but not having face-to-face -face interaction, I think is driving that, that loneliness. And I think the church, Christians in America have have a, we have a lot of luxuries. I know there's a lot of suffering, a lot of financial deprivation. I'm not saying everyone in America is rich, but we don't experience or haven't experienced for generations the kinds of cultural tragedies that other people are experiencing where they recognize their desperate need for help. And I think Americans are kind of just waking up to that. And Christians are also subject to thinking that they can live life without help. It's just me and God, but that's not the way God intended it. And we are to encourage one another. When the Bible says we're to bear one another's burdens, it's very difficult. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult to do that on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, you, you've got to have, you got to be able to cry with people. You got to be able to hold people's hands. We all know what it means to have someone put a hand on your shoulder when you're at an altar and you're weeping over your sin or a lost sibling or any of those kinds of things, we know what that feels like and what it means to experience that. And a lot of Christians are missing that if they think they can have church on their couch. Yeah, and also to encourage accountability, because I also want to note that, you know, this doesn't mean a personal relationship with the Lord in the form of a quiet time or a prayer is not important, but these things must be practiced and encouraged alongside fellow believers. God really calls us to all of it. And I know this is part of your mission at American Family Association. So how would you encourage the body of Christ to evangelize at this moment in history? I would just encourage evangelism, first off, because I'm not sure how much evangelism is going on. But I think Christians and churches will be more effective if they not only do things like hand out a track, okay, <laughs> or preach on a street corner, but that they roll up their sleeves and they get involved in people's lives. That kind of evangelism, I think, is going to be increasingly important because as our nation continues to secularize, Individuals who do not believe are going to have to see something different in Christians than maybe they've been used to seeing, and that is going to be a personal connection. You know, some of those people may be relieved to find out that Christians aren't perfect. If they see flawed human beings humbling themselves to help other people in need, I think that's going to go a long way to opening up blind eyes. People who have uh, assumed that religion is for the weak for example. Right, yeah. There's a reason that God calls us to humility in the Bible, and that's because that's the most impactful and serves the greatest purpose and the greatest lesson here on earth through the story and person of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Thank you for all that you do with American Family Association. I know that you reach people in so many ways there through education and missions and local outreach. And how can people find out more about what you do? Well, thank you for that. By the way, we love CBN and thank you for all that you're doing. People want to find out more about the American Family Association. They can simply go to afa.net. We have a, a radio network and magazine blogs. Uh, we uh, produce uh, documentaries and films. So go to afa.net and you should be able to find out everything uh, you need there. All right, Madison, thanks so much for that conversation. Appreciate it. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. 
Yeah, so we're going to look at Psalms 27, 14. It says, wait for the Lord to be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I think particularly with this, the pro-life theme and the March for Life having just happened, I think uh, it's easy to kind of get bogged down in the current situation and what your life currently looks like or what the fight for abortion or against abortion currently looks like. But we see how this has progressed, right? The overturning of Roe, but it took 50 years. Uh, So I think we just have to be faithful to what the Lord has called us to and wait for his timing for things to unfold. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you look in the in scripture and one of the things as you're going through different stories and you're going through periods and different kings, the Old Testament or um, all the history, you kind of lose sight of how long some of these gaps are between when God shows up and God acts. And, you know, you have these countries and these and these kingdoms that are sinning horribly and creating idols and doing all of these wicked things. And sometimes it's decades and decades before God comes back and acts on that. So same thing with this issue. It's our timing. We want things now. We're very, we're a very quick reaction society. We're used to things being um, given to us quickly or issues being resolved quickly. So uh, sometimes God's timing is just a lot different than that. We have to be patient. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Joseph too. His brother, what his brothers did to yeah. him in Scripture, right? And then later on, he's like, "Look, I, this had <laughs> this happened. God allowed this to happen because we needed to feed people and make sure there was food, and that he just saw a greater purpose right. in that everything he went through and the timing of it all." Yeah, absolutely. And he, I mean, he was gone. He was obviously in prison for a long time, and then and then you had to wait for you know seven years of abundance, seven years of drought, all that before he even sees his family again. So I mean, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, of times where God's timing is just, it's not going to be the way we want it, but we have to trust ultimately that he has a purpose, he has a plan. So good reminder there, absolutely, from Psalm 27. And that's where we're going to leave it on this Monday episode of the podcast. As always, appreciate you being here. Make sure you get over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We're going to be back here with more of the same tomorrow. God bless. See you then.